0: Hello traders, welcome to the Options Trading Podcast where we talk about the markets and options trading strategies. My name is Ivan Churylov and I'm the Managing Director of TradeFloor and with me is my co-host Graham O'Brien who's the Manager of Equity Derivative Sales
1: at ASX. Graham, what have we got on today? Ivan, on today's show we're going to discuss iron ore prices, the housing bubble and what to look for in the week ahead. To help us with this today we have Evan Maguire, Head of Private Wealth, and Henry Fung, private wealth advisor and trading educator at Ascot Securities. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Ascot Securities are, they are an ASX trading participant that provides a unique and specialised service for both institutional and retail clients. Their wealth management arm offers advice on Australian equities, exchange traded options and warrants. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thanks, guys, for having us. Appreciate yeah, thank you, thank you for having us.
1: So let's talk about France. Yes.
0: Election results, no surprises there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, uh, what should we expect for the
2: 7th of May? Well, um, obviously, um, we've seen Macron come through, so it's uh, Le Pen and Macron through to the semi-final. At, at this point, it looks like Macron's going to get in. There's a, there's a slight lead there. But, um, but in terms of the, you know, what that's done to markets, if we can quickly touch on that, um, you know, we did in terms of the currencies. Not that we do a lot of currency work, but it's something that we do watch. You know, you saw a pop in euro, USD, um, um, USD, um, Japanese yen, so dollar yen. Saw a big pop there, but that's faded a bit um, in the last couple of hours. And even with our local market, we had you know we had the spy up this morning, um, and our local market was up about 40 points. But last time I had a look, the S&P two hundred was up nine points to about 5863. So we have seen a Bit of a peel back now. That may be because we've got Anzac Day tomorrow and maybe nobody wants to get long into it, perhaps. And obviously, we've had a a bit of a shorter week last week with trading. Um, But so far, um, you know, US futures were up last time I checked. So people, I think, are a little bit more uh, comfortable around having Macron. Um, as potentially being uh, the French president. Now, one thing we spoke about last week was the spread um,
0: between the French and the German two years. Um, One thing I'd looked at over the weekend, um, and this morning in particular was quite interesting, so the 10-year spread between the French French and the German uh, bonds um, has come in a little bit. It's still pricing in some risk. Um, as opposed to sort of where it was in the, on the, on the uh, mid, mid-January, mm. uh, that spread was trading at 45 basis points. Um, it spiked to around about 75 um, middle of last week uh, and it's down to around about 65 as of this morning. So the markets are still pricing in a possible risk um, mm. in the rate markets. Yeah. Um, equities markets, not so much. So have you got any views on Look, that?
2: Look, I think there's a lot of people out there that have, that have got to get set. We, I mean, we still have low interest rates globally. I think at the moment um, there's perhaps an element of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. And with interest rates, again, still at fairly accommodative levels, um, people are still looking for growth and or yield. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of volatility over the next couple of weeks. I think volatility's still going to be there around, around all this stuff with the French election. Also, you know, there's a whole bunch of... Not that I want to get too much off a topic, but there's a whole bunch of landmines out there at the moment. I mean, you've got, obviously, what's happening in France with the, the election there. You've got Syria. You've got North Korea. You've got potential tax cuts maybe happening in the US. There's just so many things that people are trying to navigate at the moment. Um, but overall, I think people still sense that they need to be long in equities. I mean, it's a
1: sign of good news, I guess, or we're just completely blindly coming into it. Look, it's, uh, it's one of those things, that volatility index, even though it's low, it, does, it doesn't predict global financial <laughs> crises and the like. So although we're at low levels, uh, I, th- I still think there's reason to be cautious at the moment mm-hmm. around markets. Um, Good time for derivatives. Yeah, definitely.
0: Le Pen came out last night, um, uh, their time this morning, our time, and said that France's survival is at stake. Mm. Um, obviously, she wants herself to get elected. Mm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, but let's have a think about what the markets will do if she does get elected so if she doesn't we assume maybe a little bit of a shift upwards um, assuming nothing else happens or mm-hmm. has been equal if she does get in um, EU referendum she's promised that in the first six months mm-hmm. what happens to the markets are we
2: short term look you're probably going to see um, a sell off um, but again we saw Trump coming in um, you know US futures got Smashed, and then the entire market turned around because um, people weren't really expecting it. And he's come in, and, and again, the US market, futures futures. I think the Dow futures had a swing of around six or seven hundred points. Um, so we may very well see that kind of reaction. Um, and it, but in, in this, again, it's always fear of the unknown. You know, is there going to be a change in policy around this? What's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So uh, again, I think there may very well be a pullback, but then. People, people wake up in the morning and go, okay, we're still alive. And Again, I think people need to put their money somewhere. One thing a little bit closer
0: to home I wanted to talk about is uh, Iron Ore. That's been getting a lot of attention lately. Um, uh, we've obviously seen uh, a big pullback uh, a little while ago and a, and a big uh, shift up. Mm-hmm. In the next six months and ultimately what are your views on, on BHP and Fortescue and some of these other companies that have big exposures to Iron Ore?
3: In terms of the next six months, um, I think it will probably stabilise around this area. Um, my view is with iron ore, it's just volatility. It's always been quite volatile, even though it's fallen off a bit of a cliff in the last few months. Um, but miners have proven they can survive. Um, iron ore has been $10 or more lower. Um, and what do they do? They, they instantly start cutting costs, reduce their cost of production, uh, and they've managed to get through that rough part. So... At this point in time, I think um, with, in terms of our miners, their balance sheets are quite strong um, and they're ready to sort of weather any particular more falls or even stabilisation of the price around this area. Now, in terms of what we think, uh, I just reckon by the dip, our miners are strong because of the, of, of, of the previous price falls and that they've got strong balance sheets and they can show that they can fight when the island does get tough. Um, and in terms of if you want something a bit more stable, BHP in Rio is probably the smarter, smarter move, the more diversified stronger balance sheets. FMG, um, their product is uh, not as high quality as the, as the, as the two other two major miners. They're a bit more specky. Um, you're going to find a lot more volatility there if you're looking to uh, sort of play that upside in the iron ore price. So when you say
0: they're not as high quality, can you just go into that a little bit more? Yep.
3: So with in terms of iron ore, there's different grades. Um, I can't give you the exact numbers, um, but FMG came in. So, so the whole, whole idea of FMG when they first came in was to sort of develop the lower grade stuff that BHP and Rio weren't really touching. And that's how they managed to build quite a strong business out of that. Um, but uh, it costs, for, I think I believe it costs more for them to actually extract the ore. Um, and then their sales were a little bit cheaper. But um, because of that, the, the margins were a lot lower than BHP and Rio. And of course, um, FMG does have quite a lot of debt as well. Mm. So that needs to be taken into consideration.
0: I thought Excuse Nef Power um, agrees with this. They've released a report. Um which uh, ABC covered quite extensively last week. Um, and he reported, his view is that the, the price will settle around about 60 to 65 a ton, um, which I believe is roughly where it's trading at the moment. Um, this is based on the Metal, Bulletin, Iron, Ore Index, which price is going to be 55 a ton in the December quarter this year. And then it'll go lower uh, towards 51 a ton. However, Goldman Sachs takes an opposite view to it, which is usually the other way around. Usually, yeah. your producers go and say it's going to be a hundred, um, and your investment banks go and say, mm, "Yeah, maybe it's going to be 50. So, um, isn't that a bit interesting that you know there's a bit of a varied view on on where the price is going to be in the next year?
3: Goldman Sachs being Goldman Sachs, typically, you know, says something and does something else, um, and FMG being the actual producer would of course want things to be a little bit higher. So. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, if you look at the chart of the uh, iron ore index, it's been all over the place. Trying to predict exactly where it's going to go is is hard enough for the actual producers to do, let alone the punters who don't actually see the production uh, and see all the stuff that we don't get to see. So um, if, if they're going to call, they, they think that it's going to stabilise around this area, uh, maybe come off a little bit more, I would, really wouldn't be surprised. Uh,
1: and
0: I guess, if, have you got any specific strategies? So you said, okay, so Fortescue, probably not so much. I mean, is it something that... You do with options where you get a little bit long BHP and Rio, and maybe a little bit short Fortescue or
2: some kind of a,
0: a spread off.
3: Um, well, ever what do you what do you think on option strategies? Well, if you get,
2: in, in terms of well, with Fortescue, Fortescue obviously goes a um, is more reactionary to iron ore prices. Um, I mean, sure, BHP and Rio are as well, but again, BHP has that energy slant to it. Um, so, if you if if you think that for example, um, iron ore may be a bit whippy, depending on what you want to do. Um, for Fortescue, it's, it is a good trading stock. Um, there's plenty of liquidity, um, so, and there's plenty of um, volatility in that stock as well. Um, so if you're a shorter-term trader and you think, look, I think iron ore may move higher, I think Fortescue is going to go higher, there's a couple of different things you can do. Quite easily, you could go out there and buy calls, um, if you were happy to take on the stock at a lower price, perhaps, and you think, well, I might be able to pick it up at this level, but I think it might go up, and I might want to take some premium. You could just sell some puts if you're happy to take the stock a bit lower, but you don't mind taking the premium if the stock goes up. Um, that's something you can you can do. Um, again, same. That would be the same for BHP and Rio as well. Um, again, it's um, with with Fortescue though. Because of the way the stock's priced, um, the, the, the premiums aren't as flash as what you're going to get out of something like a BHP and more so a Rio. Mm.
3: Now, but one thing to notice about, um, so, so I, I believe, some of the best strategies for the miners is um, sold premium mm. because of the high volatility of these stocks. You can actually get really, really high premiums versus say if you do a CBA, sometimes even double the premium. Uh, but of course, um, you know, doing that as well, you know, the stocks move quite a bit more.
0: Mm. And last week we spoke about, um, answered a, a question about implied volatility rank. That's where using that is, is really useful because you can see how an individual stock is expensive when it comes to volatility as opposed to um, a move, mm-hmm. uh, in relative move. So if mm-hmm. it's sitting around about the 70 to 90 IV rank or, or up to 100 possibly, that's when you look to definitely capitalize on those trades. So, so, so spot on. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we've got CPI numbers coming out of this Wednesday, not that anything is going to be completely unexpected out of that, Mm. Um, or at least I shouldn't say that there won't be anything unexpected, but it's unlikely that there will be anything that's going to move everything. However, people are going to be looking at what the RBA is going to do in the next um, year. Are they going to hike again? Um, Partially, obviously, dependent on Trump as well, but Mm. closer to home, I mean, there's a lot of things up in there so my question is is firstly what's what's your view on, on housing um is it overcooked or is it going to keep going up
2: well i mean clearly there's and obviously we've seen a lot of the uh, the rhetoric that's come out of apra asic rba um, or you could say more jaw if you will um, there's been a, a a lot of talk in the media and you know it was sort of coming out saying yeah, uh, you know, oh, there's a bubble. Oh, no, there's not a bubble. Um, you know, look, it, it's it's and it, I should I mean I know it's close to home, but I think it's something we should we should also look at. It's not just a, something that's in Australia. I mean, this is actually more of a global thing. So if you look at Canada, they've had the same problem. Has been has been um, extraordinary, um, but again, it's a, it's it's off the back of, of cheap cash. What anybody can do about it. I don't know. Um, I, I, I might, The hard and fast rule, in my mind, would be around monetary um, policy, raise rates. But the RBA is not going to do that, I don't think, any time soon. In actual fact, I think they recently said that um, the only thing that's holding them back from dropping rates is because of the housing market. Um, bearing in mind, we do have weak wages growth here in Australia. Um, sure, inflation's kind of in check, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that pans out. Obviously, there's been some uh, moves by the banks independently of the RBA around um, raising uh, interest rates for, um, for investors and the like. Um, but I, I really don't know what, what can be done unless they can negative gearing, which is unlikely, um, raising rates. Unlikely in terms of across the board. With rates in particular, there's this mm. interesting
0: payoff between raising rates mm. and keeping the currency within that range. That they kind of, I mean, they've, they've been targeting 70 to 75 for a little while, although they don't officially say it. They just, if it's trading at 77, say, so oh, it'd be good if it'd be a little bit lower. And if it's when it was trading around 50, 60, like, oh gosh, I wish it was a bit higher. So obviously, that's that key level where mm. exporters and importers both are about. Okay.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's about stability on mm. that rate. If if we're around that 70, 75 mark and trading within those ranges, then both exporters and importers have the confidence of where the rate's going to be in the future, so I think that plays more around stability than ha- having to be within a range. The, yes. only, the only risk is that if they put interest rates up, that all of a sudden how um, mortgage stress comes under pressure, yep. and financials that a sell. That's it's the only reason that you'd probably continue on that yep. old story. <coughs> we're not that talking would, about tomorrow.
3: I think it'll tie into the fact that the recent market rally was basically banks, yep. and that could be at risk. Australian right. market at risk if mortgage yep. stress
0: goes up. This this uh, piece of data that I read, Martin North did a, does this modelling. Um, He's a principal at Digital Finance Analytics. And he says that the impact of mortgage stress, um, uh, well, he, mo- he, sorry, he models it, uh, he says that 669,000 families or about 22% of the borrowing households are in mortgage stress today. And that'll go to 1 million households or one third of borrowers if interest rates rose by three percentage points.
3: Look, um, I think it could be worse. The reason is because uh, any hint of any sustained rate rises coming from the RBA will tighten the purse strings of people who are already... Co- Already almost under stress. Um, I don't. I don't know the exact parameters of his um, of his modelling, but um, people do get scared, and the moment they close their wallets, that's when it all sort of becomes a negative feedback loop. Uh, people stop spending, companies stop making money, people stop getting paid, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So um, I think any sort of rise, it doesn't have to be three percent, could actually put everyone under a lot of stress. Um, the problem with that as well is. Um, the recent market rally that we've had in the uh, Australian market, which I think is a little bit overdone, uh, I don't really see the justification for it, has been because of the banks. Um, now if, if we see um, interest rate rises in Australia, people start you know, getting scared of their mortgages, um, that's going to affect the banks, and of course uh, if anything that affects the bank profitability, that's going to bring the banks down and the banks come down, then you know, the whole market comes down. So uh, there's a lot of knock-on effect in terms of raising interest rates that are uh, uh, that could potentially cause a lot of issues for the Australian market okay um, puts are really really quite cheap you know um, in terms of puts and the way we we look at them is you can't hedge your way throughout your entire life or your or the life of your portfolio you've got to pick a moments every time the market sort of just runs right up into these resistance points say fifty nine fifty six thousand you know, fifty eight hundred point areas is where it, it Markets tend to price puts too cheaply uh, and that's when you can protect yourself for three months or uh, One month two months wherever you think the, uh, the time period should be uh, And it won't cost you that much, but for that peace of mind. It's really actually it's quite worth it um, that's something that you can't really do unless it's with, with options or um, Obviously you can hedge by selling half your portfolio, but then you've got tax issues and all that other stuff
2: you might, The might another thing you could do too if you're expecting Let's say if, you, if you're a, a shareholder in CBA or NAB or Westpac or one of the banks, you could look at doing a covered call, um, which is a strategy that we, we like to, uh, to use at Ascot and one that I um, do a lot of for a lot of buy clients. Um, and really the mechanics around that very quickly is that you, you currently own, let's say, CBA. If you think that there's going to be, you know, the market's going to be sideways to maybe pull back a little bit, it's a really good strategy to use. And basically all you do is, is you uh, you sell a call against the stock that you own. You lodge your stocks, so you don't get margined. Um, and um, and the idea is that uh, you sell the call, get that premium through, and um, uh, look to uh, have ideally have that option expire worthless. Um, so therefore you've kept the stock and uh, you've kept the premium. BHP I've been doing a bit more work on. Not so much, I've just mentioned the banks, but if it's something you could look at doing, especially coming into May, because May tends to be a weaker month in Australian equities. BHP, I've been doing a bit of work on because it's been, it's been quite volatile. Um, and uh, I recently, I tend to do more work on European calls um, because we don't necessarily, for this particular client, I don't necessarily want to get exercise. And because it's a European call, I can manage that position um, a bit better. Because I know if I need to, to, to if it's stocks above the strike price, I can roll the position out if I need to. Um, but this time, we actually bought the position back, so it's um, a nice, healthy problem. Where are you looking to set those strike prices? How far out of the money? I usually do it on probably around a dollar out of the money. Now I know I'm sacrificing premium, but I'm happy. I'd am happy. i rather be able to go, okay, well, I've done that. I don't think the share price is going to go there. If we keep the premium and the option expires worthless, happy days. So that dollar on like a $20 stock, so yeah. about 5% out of the money. Yeah, great. That tends to work for me and everybody's different. Some people ought to be a little bit more risky and they go, you know what, I might actually make it 50 cents. Um, so obviously get greater premium. Um, but for me, that's just not the way that I tend to do things. It also
3: depends on, I guess, uh, uh, the ownership of the underlying stock. Have you mm. held it for 20 years and you've got CGT gains that you are mm. you don't want to CGT that you're no gonna I want pay? To do it. No. Or is it a, a fresh position that you've already got a bit of uh, capital gains booked in on there and you want to just try to maybe sell one that's closer at the money or slightly in the money, you know, expecting a slight pullback and you get a lot more premium out of that. So it just really depends on uh, uh, your underlying holding as well.
2: Yeah, clearly anybody who's had CBA for 20 years, they're not going to really want to let it go. Right. So it may, not, it may not be suitable. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be suitable. But again, it, it can work if you, if, you, if you, again, I'll use European options for that one. And that, that tends to make the, manage that kind of thing a bit better
1: it's interesting what we're seeing from volumes from an ASX perspective it's Mm. it's in the resource stocks that we're seeing this covered call writing not as much with the banks Mm. and people are wanting to get paid for their risk and you're getting paid for it with the banks and Mm. just reiterate again what Ivan was mentioning before look at that IV rank and if you're on a on that lower IV rank I'm not sure if it's a stock that you want to be Mm. writing calls over only because you're not getting paid the premium that you want to be receiving so Um, and also for the game players that we have dialed into this podcast Mm. if you're wanting to test out that strategy that evan was talking about then what we wanted to be looking towards is uh in your equities screen of your uh, game portal you want to be ticking the specific cover when you're writing a covered call over a stock that you're uh that that you're writing those calls over just to make sure that we're uh, making them covered calls so uh, there is a little box there specific
0: um, all right, so let's chat a little bit about ASCOT as a company. I'm sure there's going to be some listeners that want to um, find out a little bit more. Sure. Um, you guys have some really unique things that you offer. Yeah. Obviously, one of those is uh, you have an options report as part of your Australian Correct. stock report company. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how do clients get in terms into of that? Uh, yeah. The
2: options report we have, um, it, it really is can be um, based on commentary around what's happening in the marketplace. Uh, we also... Um, can provide some trade ideas uh, within that report as well. Um, it's not a, a lengthy report; you're not having to to, to go through uh, tons and tons of uh, of, uh, of paper um, or spend hours reading it. It's uh, it's it's well laid out, um, and it's a, it's easy for most people to understand. Again, you, you get a, a wide range of uh, market commentary on what's going on in the options market, um, and also trade ideas as well. The, the, we have, I mean, our, our our client base is quite varied, but we do have um, uh, a lot of people that are um, have got self-managed super funds, or um, or are looking to generate income off existing holdings that they've got. Um, we do have other clients that are a bit more aggressive, um, who are looking to perhaps do more directional plays. Um, and Ivan, you are right. We don't we don't really do a lot of work in. Uh, in the spread space. We, we, we do here and there, but it's not something that, um, that a lot of our guys focus on. Um, I mean, we, we, we basically do cover calls, more directional stuff. We do have a few clients that like to, uh, to, to sell puts to acquire stock, and I know a lot of people freak out about that kind of strategy. Um. Just in terms of
0: that short put, actually, that's something that I think is is you say a lot of people freak out about it. Mm. They do mm. yeah. with the with the view to buy stock. I mean, yeah. you're obviously picking it where you're. You know, if Correct. you're buying on limit, yeah, um, right limit, um, mm. you you're going to set your strike price there. So if you just had a limit order, you wouldn't be receiving premium Correct. every month so that it doesn't get filled. So. That's exactly right. And aside from uh, the the predominant obviously we've spoken about options report your predominant stock breaking business yeah. where, where you offer trade ideas and so on and, and manage anything else that you guys do which is of interest.
2: Yeah, I mean we've got um, I mean per, we've got a, an institutional business which obviously looks after um, uh, institutional clients, being funds and the like. Our institutional business has had significant growth over the past really the past uh, year and in in particular the uh, last six months we've seen uh, we've we've uh, been able to. Uh, Tain some uh, new staff, um, and it's really helping the business. In terms of the uh, the wealth management side, um, of course, we do all the portfolio management side. We can do international equities. We can do CFDs. Um, so we can offer clients um, we can offer clients access to those those products. Um, and um, and it really comes down to what you're looking for. We have clients that are a lot more conservative, and we have clients that uh, that don't mind being a bit more adventurous around. Uh, what they trade, and we can we can cater to uh, to investors and traders across the board.
0: Well, that's about all we have time for this week. Uh, we'll be answering your trading questions. So send them over to tradefloor.com.au or tweet them over to our handle at the trade floor. Um, I'm going to be answering a question next week around interest rate spreads, which was something that we spoke a little bit about today and uh, a fair bit about uh, last week. Uh, thank you again to our guests today, Evan Maguire and Henry Fung from Ascot Securities for coming in today. Uh, And Graham and I will be back next week for an exciting show. We will reveal next week's winner of the game and we speak to Michael McCarthy from CMC Markets and get his ideas and views on the market. Hope you can join us then.